Hare, I want to welcome you to the Heart of the Father podcast. And uh, today I have a special guest, Henry Peters, and uh, we will just have a casual chat about the person of Jesus. So um, I'll uh, let uh, Henry take us into this topic, and it's going to be interesting. And um, please do send your questions after listening to this. It's going to be interesting. All right, Andrew, go for it, man. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Carlo, for having me on again. It's uh, been quite a while since uh, we've had a chat, eh? Can you remember when we had a chat last? Uh, it's been more than a year at least, maybe two. No, man. I think it was like we had a, we had a podcast, was it 2017? I think around about then, eh? So it's, yep. Been, so. It's been quite a while, but... Thanks for for this chat, man. I think it's going to be an awesome discussion to talk about the person of Jesus. Now, if there's one person and and one character that has shaped human history, you know, nothing more and no one else can compare to Jesus. But I think the one aspect of who Jesus is that I think we need to address and, you know, talk about from the scriptures and our experiences as well is about the nature of Jesus' divinity. Uh, you know, is Jesus just man, or is he God? Is he God that was incarnate as man, or is he man that became God? Because you cannot have both. You know, you, when I say both, you can't have him just being God, that came as man and you know still exists today as God, or have him being just a normal man and then was elevated to the status of God or divinity. It's it's either the scriptures talk about one and give us evidence of one, or the contrary. And the the reason I think it's important to have this discussion now is of because of recent interactions with other believers and other people, then this question about who Jesus is has come up again. And it seems to me that there's this movement or this discussion, there's a couple of teachings and and things going around saying that Jesus is not God as we think of him. You know, we usually, you know, traditionally call it the Trinity. You know, that idea of who Jesus is, is a wrong idea and is a wrong understanding. And we need to, you know, go back to more of an original, biblical, uh, historical view of who Jesus is. And I find this to be, you know, you know, dangerous. And I believe there's enough evidence from the scriptures for us to see exactly, you know, to define who Jesus is. Obviously, we're talking about a real person here. And when I had this discussion the first time with someone, they sent me a document to go and study and to go and read and to give them some feedback. The moment I saw it had to do with the person of Jesus and his character and his nature, the first thing I said to this person was, look, you know, we're talking about a real person. Here. We're not talking about someone, some way that you cannot reach or you, you can't you know, can't have any contact with, you know, you can pray and ask the Lord himself, uh, Lord, you know, are you just man or are you God? You know, 
we believe we have that direct communication with Jesus to ask him, uh, what does he say about himself? So it should not be that difficult to find the answer, but it all depends on you know, where do you go for your answers and do we approach with a humble heart and ask the Lord, show us, Lord, or do we come with preconceived ideas? And so the first thing I want to start off with is I would say the question of why now this investigation or this query about Jesus' divinity? Um, obviously, I would say in the beginning of Acts and you know, with the walk of the disciples, there must have been this you know, amazement and this how do we you know, grasp and understand what we've experienced. I believe 100% that those kind of thoughts went through the disciples' mind uh, you know, about Jesus and, and who he is and what, what they experienced, because that would be, that's what we read about. You know, when they testify, they testify of what they saw, what they heard, and what they beheld. Now, 2,000 years have gone by. Why this resurgence of, is Jesus really God? That kind of question. And it's not that we hear these questions and we come across them in everyday Christian circles. There are specific and predominant circles of so-called Christian belief that we find them in. And I, I find it interesting when you start analyzing and actually making notes and comparing things that you find certain circles talking about these questions in, in a very serious way, not just a casual oh, this or that, a really serious way of, now I really think we've got something here that you know, we need to restore, that this lost identity of Jesus is actually just man. You have people actually thinking those things and, and really taking it serious. And I found that, you know, just in my interaction, and probably other people have different interactions, but people that, that tend to go back to the Old Testament, and, and, you know, in a, in a real strong Hebrew or Jewish understanding or perspective, I have found that they have a strong tendency to take this very serious as if the church for 2,000 years through the Catholic Church has been totally deceived with the Trinity teaching for, for you know, for one. And secondly, that through the Trinity teaching and through the Catholic influence, this thing of Jesus being God it has been taught and propagated. And now, you know, there has to be this restoration movement back to something that's original and true, which means everything else has not been true, has been a, you know, a lie. So that's one of the groups and movements I have found it in. And I believe there's a connection between, you know, a religious spirit and a religious mindset that's focused on, you know, the letter of the law, the letter of the word, denying or neglecting the Holy Spirit, inspiring the word and inspiring you and showing you revelation to understand certain things. And, and I believe that we need to be careful about this. And uh, I know you mentioned something about you coming in contact with the, the Jehovah Witnesses and, and other movements that also have this strange idea of Jesus only being a man. Yes, um, that's uh, more on the popular side, I guess, and 
been around for longer, I guess, as well. Um, but <clears throat> obviously, it's not been able to to come into uh, more typical or, or more biblical Christian beliefs uh, because everyone kind of has this idea that you know Jehovah's Witnesses have their own Bible, you know, they have their own thing, and it it is different. So it is easier. It has been easier for. Uh, the church to to kind of shun those ideas and obviously the Mormons also come have their own thing um, where like uh, I know uh, Jehovah Witnesses for example have where they think no Jesus was an angel he's actually Michael the angel and so on so yeah it's it's completely uh, removed so um, it is that's why I also felt like this is important if if, if this is the thing that's creeping into the church and looks like it's this brand new or, or uh, it's an old brand new thing that's being restored. Um, and it's in the guise of biblical um, truth, then we need to definitely confront it, which and this is why I think uh, our discussion today should be really uh, even studied out um, reading the context, reading what Jesus did before and after each verse we, we uh, quote today, you can go look at, you know, if you're listening to this and um, see the context, see where he's coming from. And I believe it'll bless you. It's not because uh, we know we're right or anything like that. It's literally just what the Bible says plainly. I think what we'll discuss today. So this is very important. So, yeah, man, totally. Amen, amen. So let's look at a couple of scriptures, and um, I want to take it from from both sides. To for those out there, because I, I know the first time I heard this, I was like, "What?" <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't believe my ears that uh, somebody is is you know obviously questioning first that you know is Jesus God? You know, is he divine? And when when I say God, do I mean like is Jesus God the Father or and it's like these people are saying and questioning that Jesus is divine in his nature, meaning there's some kind of godliness and godness. I don't know if there's a word like that, godness. Is, uh, divinity, is Jesus divine in his nature or is he just man? The first time I heard it was really foreign to my understanding. So let us just introduce a couple of scriptures to people out there that haven't heard of this before. So to give them a bit of a background, where where does this understanding and this view and perspective come from? So one of the scriptures, and, and you know, you'll find a couple of passages like these. So I'm going to give you kind of a, a a type of scripture in the New Testament. Scriptures talking about Jesus being a man. For example, Acts chapter two, verse twenty-two. You know, Peter is obviously addressing the large crowd on the day of Pentecost, and he talks and refers to Jesus of, of Nazareth, a man sent by God. And what will happen in these type of you know, investigations or queries and discussions about Jesus and his divinity, the, the scriptures in the New Testament that clearly address Jesus as a man will be highlighted and emphasized, stating that, you know, 
the person talking about Jesus clearly had the belief 100% that Jesus was a man and nothing more. So obviously, when we read those scriptures, we agree with the scriptures saying that Jesus is a man sent by God. But there are numerous other scriptures that also talk about Jesus being divine, Jesus being God. So either we neglect the one and we hold to the other, or we take both of them and we ask the Lord, give us revelation. How do we understand both of these scriptures together in the light of full counsel of God? So then another scripture, another kind of scripture you'll find is Ephesians chapter 1 verse 1, where Paul is writing, obviously, to the church in Ephesus. And he says, he uses words like the Lord Jesus Christ and God our Father, or the Lord Jesus and God, you know, when he greets the, the different churches. And clearly addressing, you know, talking about two different people in the scripture. And you know, you'll find multiple scriptures like that in his letters. And so the understanding and the perspective being brought is, you see, he talks about Jesus. And it talks about God. And obviously, when he refers to God and using that term of divinity, he's not connecting it to Jesus. He's connecting it to the Father throughout all his writings. And obviously, there, there's certain occasions where Paul talks about you know, the Lord, our Savior, God, and he's talking about Jesus in that specific scripture. But overall, Paul talks about Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, and then he uses the same scripture. He talks about God. And you can clearly see he's addressing two different people. So what happens is they would take those scriptures and say, you see, clearly, Jesus is just the Messiah. Christ means anointed one. And there's, there's God. God, when the, when the term God is used in the New Testament, it's referred 99, 99% of the time to the Father, just like in the Old Testament, with God, Jehovah, Yahweh. And now in the New Testament, you know, he's referred to as, as God and not, you know, he's not referred to by his name, Hebrew name, Jehovah or Yahweh. So obviously, Jesus is not referred to as God, meaning your conclusion then must be, therefore, he's not God. And obviously, you know, we can see there's a lot of, you know, this argument and this perspective is lacking because of taking one scripture and not comparing it with another scripture. And all the scriptures there are talking about Jesus as God. For example, you know, Colossians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, talking about the fullness of the Godhead dwelling bodily in Jesus. I mean, we can go through all of them. Obviously, we don't have time to do it right now, but let's give just a couple of, of, of those scriptures. One, for example, John chapter 1, verse 1. You know, we spoke about that before the podcast. You know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. You know, so obviously the Word there is referring to Jesus. And that same Word is being referred to in verse 14, that, you know, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So obviously the Word referring to Jesus, Jesus existed before he came to earth. John chapter 17, in his prayer, Father, glorify me with the glory I had before the world was. So we have multiple scriptures. I mean, Philippians chapter 2, talking about Jesus 
humbling himself from the status of being God, where it says he did not you know, think it robbery to be equal to God, but that he humbled himself to become flesh and to die as man, as a servant. Hebrews chapter 2 talks about the same thing. You know, Revelation chapter 5, after the glorification, Jesus having died, being raised from the dead, you know, ascended to heaven, now seated and receives this glory. And in Revelation chapter 5, you have everything that is created in heaven, on, on the earth, and below the sea, they give glory and honor. And they, you know, we have these seven attributes given in, in, in honor, in, you know, in, in respect, in, in, you know, when you go through them, you, know, it's, you can see it's clear adoration and worship and exaltation, and it's given to the Lamb and to Him who sits on the throne. So when we see those scriptures, what should our conclusion be? I mean, how do you read them and understand them and come to the conclusion that Jesus is only man? I think it's, it's like throwing the whole scriptures upside down and saying a man became God instead of saying, look, we clearly recognize there's a mystery about how God you know, dealt with, with man, how God works. Um, God is beyond our understanding, but clearly in the, in the limited things that he has revealed himself to us, we do see clear boundaries and clear insight that we can say, if God could reveal himself in Genesis chapter 18 to Abraham in physical bodily flesh, you know, and ate with him, and you know, maybe they had their first cheeseburger, <laughs> and, and then Abraham interceded for, for Sodom and Gomorrah and for Lot, then why could God not do it again? If he did it once and multiple times through the scriptures before the New Testament, then nothing stops him by doing it again and coming for 33 years. Uh, and, and so, you know, you mentioned scriptures in, in the book of John where Jesus talks about I am. Mm, yes. That's, um, I'll, I'll read one or two or three here. Uh, that was just so good. Um, this is John. Um, well, let me start with the I am one. I think that's that's very good as well. It's in John 8, uh, verse 56 to 58. I'd like to read it with you. This is the New King James Version. It says, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And this is Jesus talking. And he saw it and he was glad. Then the Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old, and you have seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Right, and it's, this is one of those parts where they get so angry with him because of him proclaiming, I am. Like, this is the words of God, you know, that we know so well from, from Moses, you know, tell my people, I am, you know. And um, this is the words of God. And, and it so blesses me that later he also says here, and um, let me just find it quick, um, in John 10, verse 34 to 36, you know, he says here, Jesus answered them because, see, they were blaming him because he was 
saying things that they immediately realized he's making himself equal with God. Mm. So if they realize that, why do we not realize that in church today? This is, you know, what makes me wonder that they were realizing what he was saying. And he said, it, is it not written in your law that I said you are God? If he called them God. So this is so good. You know, he, 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 he talks about him and the Father as I said. So he said this, you know. Um, that's how they operate in that, like you're saying, in that revelation of how they work together. It's, it's quite interesting. He called them gods to whom the world of God came. To whom the word of God came, sorry. And the scripture cannot be broken. Do you say of him who the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming? Because I said, I am the Son of God. Yeah, and this is why it was so good. And then he proves that he says even uh, verse, I think, 38. But if I do, though I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. So that's the, that unity, that word, as, as he said in John 1, um, that they are one and they've become flesh in the person of Jesus. Um, maybe also worth noting as well, um, this is good to know this is in the word. Um, it's Hebrews 1, isn't it? Uh, that he it says, is. God at various times. And in various ways spoke uh, spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory, see that's that glory they shared, eh? and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by his power when he had himself purged our sins see himself this is capital letters mm. purged our sins sat down at the right hand of majesty on high having become so much better than the angels as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they because this is who he is for to which of the angels that he ever say, you are my son, today I've begotten you. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall, to be, shall be to me a son. So this is uh, just very good, straightforward, uh, just Bible that, that shows that really Jesus, he wasn't just saying, I'm just a messenger. He was saying, I am. He was saying, I am the Son of God. I am my King. And uh, it's, it's so good. Um, I was thinking about this uh, while you were uh, reading some verses as well, that um, Jesus would say, follow me, you know, and you'll do what I do. And this is one of the main things Paul also talks about later and says, we are imitators of God. So it, it goes together so well that, we had to have an example of of God 
operating in flesh so that we could see the example you know to follow him so that's just very good but um but yeah mm. absolutely absolutely one one thing that i think is is crucial to understand is that if jesus is just a man according to the scriptures we cannot worship a man and you know for, for those that understand a bit about the jewish mind and you know jewish people today that don't believe in jesus that's one of their their stones accusations that they throw at the christians and even at the messianic jews is that you are worshiping a man uh, this is you know this is uh, idol worship because in the jewish mind you know obviously those that don't believe in jesus they struggle to comprehend Jesus as, you know, the manifestation of God in the flesh. I think that's probably a better way to, to describe it, is God manifesting himself in a physical form. And when we look at the scriptures, it's very clear that Matthew chapter 28, verse 17, and like I mentioned in, in Revelation chapter 5, Jesus was worshipped. He, you know, was when he was physically on earth, you know, after his resurrection, and he will still be worshipped today and in, even into eternity. That worshipping Jesus is not worshipping a man as if we're worshipping one another. It's God being manifest in the flesh. So I think that's a, one of the things that I have found as a stumbling block in people's understanding, for those that have started to investigate this and looking at scriptures and reading, you know, other people's interpretations of, you know, this key word and that Hebrew word and this Greek word, if you interpret it this way, and you know, trying to find a, a loophole uh, to say that worshiping Jesus is, you know, contrary to scriptures. Uh, one thing I would say that, you know, just to caution. You know, these brothers and sisters, because I still see them as brothers and sisters, is worshiping is as all has, has to do with about your adoration and your fascination with the Lord. When we worship the Lord, it has to do about our intimate love and affection for Him. And that is one of the ways we become transformed into his image is when we worship him so the moment you take this teaching or this interpretation as scriptural and as valid and as true that jesus is not god it has a direct effect to your the next thing is that it has a direct effect to your understanding of worshiping and your focus on him and your worship with him. And I think this is very dangerous because it starts to marginalize who Jesus is. It starts to shift your focus from him because the only way we can know the Father is through Jesus. And that does not mean like, okay, one day I got saved, so I went to the cross and you know my sins were washed away and I thank the Lord. You know, you can continuously thank Jesus for his sacrifice, but 
now we move on away from him to the father because uh, i've heard that kind of talk as well and the moment you boil it down to what does the scripture say and and what happens in reality is that we worship jesus and jesus reveals the father to us as we become one with jesus jesus is the way the truth and the life to the father but it's not like an event once in your life or twice in your life or every now and then that you say hi to Jesus or every time you come into the house you go past the door and then you leave the door behind. No, he is the essence of knowing the Father. And the more we become one with him, John chapter 15, that is to the extent that we become one with Jesus will be the extent that we can know the Father. Uh, I just felt, you know, to make it a bit more practical and clear, because I've seen that that correlation between our worship and our affection and our being transformed into his into his image, and all of that together combined will be affected by this. I really want to call it a false teaching. It's not just you know someone. Uh, you know, investigating something and some interesting thing to research. It's really become a a dividing line in congregations and and between brothers and sisters. Is the moment that someone comes in and says they don't believe Jesus is God, then you will see all of these other things come about. All of these other, I would say, like uh, symptoms or fruits or results of that one belief and therefore I, I believe it's very important for us to address this and uh, take it to a practical level. That's mm. so, um, you know, it made me think of, of, of what what actual power uh, was Jesus operating with as well, you know, if, 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 if only a man. Um, I, it's, it's impossible. Uh, for just the example, uh, while we're also dancing with the scriptures, um, Jesus saying, listen, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And uh, in more, place, more than one place, uh, the Bible says it, uh, in Acts as well, I think Acts 2, uh, it says that God raised Jesus you know, from the dead. And uh, in Romans uh, 8, 11, it also says, that same spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead. And you could just think, you know, it's, okay, yeah, God raised him. But here Jesus says, you know, destroy this temple. And he says, and I will raise it up in three days. And his disciples, uh, they confirmed it by saying right after that, that they realized after he was raised from the dead, that this was what he was talking about is the fact that he would raise himself. So again, putting himself in the shoes of God. And I mean, on another place, he says, uh, John 10, 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. So that's, that's so true what you're saying in the practical, that um, for us to really be a new 
creation to to be uh, to be able, uh, as it says in Colossians, I think it's uh, Colossians three, that it says to be renewed according to the image that created us. Um, that has to be able to happen, which wasn't able for anyone in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament. Uh, they weren't able to be renewed. And um, as you read Paul's letters, um, it was through Christ that this is possible, that they can become born again, receive a new heart of flesh, and receive the Spirit that would cause them to walk in the Lord's way. Uh, this was a promise. And... Um, it's so amazing that this is because of Jesus, as he says in um, John chapter 16, that he would send him to reveal everything. Um, as he says there, that's so great that he says it this way, he says uh, that everything that is the Father's is his. Now that already tells you, well, that's not just, not that's not just a man. And then he says, Holy Spirit will come and reveal to us everything that is His. So right there, He He, he doesn't just come and be in the flesh and just pay a price. He comes and He literally opens up His heart, His thoughts, His His, his depth of His being um, to His body, to His people. Uh, if they receive it. So, and that's such a thing only God can do. No man can open that up for us. So uh, it just blows me away. But yeah, uh, I think that, that's a good point too. Yeah, awesome, man. Yeah, that was a, definitely a very important scripture that about the Holy Spirit, you know, that also reveals Christ in us and, and through us. And um, I wanted just to to wrap up with obviously this this discussion, we can we can go on for <laughs> you know a couple of more hours and a couple of more sessions. Yeah. Um, specifically about you know you mentioned something there in Colossians. Colossians talks about that Jesus is uh, the creator of all things. Again, going back to Isaiah chapter 43 to chapter 48. Talking about you know God creating Him being the only Savior, Him being the only you know doesn't share His glory with any other. So when we get to Colossians and we talk you know He talks about and also in Hebrews talks about Jesus being the one through whom all things were made, and in Him and by Him all things are held together. You know synastema is, is the Greek there. So if Jesus is not God, and he was not the creator at the beginning, how do you understand Paul then? So obviously I have encountered some people that totally reject all of Paul's letters, so that's one way of you know, trying, to, <laughs> and, uh, trying to work out how do you, you know, get to a conclusion and you just throw Paul out. You know, that's one way you can do it, but obviously that's not a very, very logical and sound way to go about the scriptures. Reject those you don't understand. Um, so clearly we can see there are so many facets that we can address uh, one by one in their own rights that prove Jesus to be who we said he was. And 
you know, if Jesus was God manifest in the flesh, then he's the only one that is qualified to be a sacrifice for our sins because all men have fallen short of the glory of God. And all men have been tainted with a, a flesh and a sinful nature, the flesh that we have inherited from, from Adam. And if Jesus is divine in his nature and still was 100% man, <clears throat> excuse me, like, like the book of Hebrews said, that he could, you know, he was acquainted with all our sufferings so that he could be a high priest to intercede for us. That can only make sense biblically if Jesus is who he said he is, that he is the Son of God, that he carries the nature of God, that he put that nature aside to make himself humble, lower than what he was ascribed to be, what he was, to come and show us the greatest love of, of all you know, the history of man, that the one who made us so far above and beyond that we can understand would come into our limited realm to save us from the sin that we have created, the problems that we have created, the division that we have caused between us and God, and to show us that love, and then to rise from the dead, like you mentioned the scriptures in, you know, in John chapter 10, John chapter 8, John chapter 16, the resurrection of Jesus is then the fundamental building block of our faith. You know, Paul talks about it in, in you know, 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, that if there was no resurrection of Jesus, all his claims would fall flat. Mm. But with his resurrection, exactly as he said it would be, that puts a real mark of distinguishment between him and anything else and anyone else. And because he rose from the dead and is alive today, we have all of these numerous testimonies from around the world, various different people groups, people that don't know each other, that have real encounters with him, sometimes in flesh and blood, sometimes in dreams, sometimes in visions, sometimes, you know, as they're transitioning through death, they have encounters with Jesus. So how is that possible if he was just a mere man? Obviously, that's either all of these testimonies are hocus pocus and a lot of nonsense, or we have some real person that the enemy is trying very hard to change his his image in our understanding by by bringing things like this that we are encountering now. Did Jesus really say he's God? Those kind of questions that sow the seed of doubt. And, and this is where I think we should maybe, you know, uh, focus on, you know, as, as we come to the end of this, this discussion, um, what does this have to do with us, you know, personally, in our lives, every day, when we talk about, is Jesus God or is he not God? You know, first of all, this has to do with Jesus' own words in Matthew 24, verse 4, where he says, that take heed that no one deceives you. Don't take little about this discussion of 
the divinity of Jesus, as if it may be some kind of high theological thing or some kind of irrelevant subject to your spiritual walk. It's very relevant, and we should not be unwise and foolish just to discard things like this. But we should rather say, Lord, show us and teach us. Lord, we, we humble ourselves. We come to you as children. And where you are right now, when you're listening to this, and maybe you've come across this you know, new teaching and this new thing, or you have not, where you are, you can just you know, bow your knees, close your eyes, and ask Jesus to reveal himself to you in a new way. To reveal himself to you again so that you can know who he is. That he is alive and he is interested and he has a plan for your life and that you have direct access to him. To ask him to show you who he is. And obviously... By that revelation, you can also compare to the scriptures and ask him, Lord, your word is truth, the whole counsel of your word is truth, and you've given us your Holy Spirit to teach and reveal to us all truth. So I believe this, this subject about Jesus' divinity will come about testing our faith in these end times. Because we know the devil is lurking around trying to deceive the body of Christ, using any means necessary. And if, if who Jesus is and, you know, preaching about him, teaching about him, if he himself cannot be totally disregarded in our society because, you know, many people have been reached by the message of Jesus, then what is the next strategy? It's to change the image of Jesus, who he is, so that he can be marginalized as just another person as just another savior and therefore i believe this discussion about his divinity has to do about our relationship with him because as soon as his image is changed in our understanding it has a direct effect on our relationship with him who do we believe he is for us person right now and obviously that has to do with our walk with him so i just want to leave you know uh, this discussion, this podcast on, on that. And obviously, you know, if there's any questions people want to send or ask us, we could do maybe a, another one and just talk about you know, the practical walk with the Lord and our understanding who He is and, and being transformed into His image and into His likeness. And uh, I believe that the, the essence of the focus should be on Him. And our relationship with him, like you said in John chapter 15, that we can do nothing without him. We need to abide in him. And the abiding in him is our resting place, our secret place. It's our place that we live and move and have our being. Um, I think that, that will be my, my last comment. Uh, on this, I don't think I don't know if you've got anything else to share, brother. Yeah, um, I'd also put I'll throw this in just before let's uh, end off and so on. Um, it's just so good to me because it, it shows the the practical of what Jesus did and why he came. And uh, this is also from John 14, 
And um, this is obviously before the crucifixion, you know. And uh, you know, a lot of people see John 14 as the ascension um, chapter, but it's still before the crucifixion as well. He says it here. He says it from verse 19. It'll make sense when I read it. It says, "A little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me, because I live, you will live also, because." I live, uh, you live also, right? I read that. And then it goes to verse 20. It says, at that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And this is, you know, what's this so good? Um, even uh, verse uh, 23, let me just read that too. It says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we, we, Will come to him and make our home with him, and it's just so good um, showing that uh, Jesus was truly not just you know not just a man, but a, a so part of of the Spirit and of the Father that he would say, "I and the Father will live in you." And uh, that's not something a man could say. He couldn't, you know, he couldn't come live with you in you, and you in him and the Father. And um, that that just shows to me the the practical side of, of what we carry as believers. Um, so that's done. It's there, and that's why you know. And that's, I love that you said that to to be able to pray. Say, show me who you are. Show me in me, because he's as far as your breath as your heartbeat. If you are a believer and you've received him your life, he's as far as your heartbeat, because he's right there in you. And he can reveal your, himself to you just like that. So um, that's powerful. And um, yeah, that's Amen. all I have to share as well. Amen. Awesome, man. Uh, really. I really appreciate this time and the discussion. Uh, obviously, I think uh, this is just touching the tip of the iceberg in terms of scriptures and parallels and, and comparative analysis we could do between all the scriptures that talk about Jesus as a man and the scriptures that talk about him as God and comparing them together and asking the Lord for revelation for those out there that are maybe investigating this or struggling about this or I've heard someone that seems very, you know, literate and very, you know, knowledgeable with Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic and different historical backgrounds. All I would say when it comes to that is if you are convinced by someone's argument or someone's, you know, reasoning, you know what happens? You can be convinced the other way, the other way with someone else's argument. What I would suggest is when you hear someone's argument or someone's reasoning or someone's bringing their scriptural exegesis to you, we all are supposed to have the Holy Spirit within us. 1 John chapter 2, verse 27 says, The anointing that abides in you teaches you all things. So it's the most important thing to learn the language of the Spirit, the language of the Holy Spirit, and to listen to the Holy Spirit who will lead us in all truth, who will break open and reveal the hidden mysteries of the Word to us. 
the word nefses, our intellect, or our exegesis, or our study of Hebrew and Greek, will do the revelation for us, will bring the revelation for us. So there are many arguments and many debates that I've seen and you know, white papers and studies out there showing the one side or showing the other side, but we're talking about a real person. We're talking about a real relationship. And um, I would just encourage everybody listening to when you have finished listening to this and you've finished, you know, reading some things to the contrary or things to the positive of what we've discussed, just bow your head and, and bend your knee and ask the Lord himself. And then your decision and your answer should come from that place because the Holy Spirit will lead you in all truth. And, and that's my prayer, and that's, I believe, Carlos' prayer for you as well, is that the Holy Spirit will lead you in all truth, and the Holy Spirit will always exalt Jesus, and Jesus will always bring the glory to the Father. And that's what the Scripture says. And uh, obviously, you know, if um, there's a lot of other questions or you know, people want some answers or want to discuss it again, as the Lord leads, we can definitely have a follow-up on this. But it's been an awesome time, Carla. I really appreciate it, man. May the Lord bless you and, and prosper your work at the heart of the Father. And uh, I hope to get a coffee with you soon again, brother. Thanks, old man. I appreciate you coming on. And uh, we've been uh, wanting to do this podcast for a few months. It's just been on a hard but. I'm glad we got to do this and I hope it really blesses people. And, um, but yeah, bless you and uh, all your, um, passions and desires that you're following with the heart of God and, uh, you and your family be blessed and I just speak peace over you guys. So, uh, yeah. Awesome. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right. So, uh, thank you guys. Thanks for listening to the Heart of the Father podcast. See you next time.